we say we try to keep it like a woman's skirt, gotcha. long enough to cover the important parts, but short enough to still keep your interest. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Loud Pipes. Grab a beverage and join us as we talk about all things relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. And now your host for this episode, Rich Warfield and Brother Bacon. Loud Pipes, episode 169. As promised, we have a special guest for this evening. We're going to be talking to Miranda Young from the Ghost Biker Explorations web series. And we have an interesting shift in the co-hosting duties tonight, which we'll talk about here in a moment. That was cooling down just a little bit here. Nice to not be uh, 80 degrees anymore in the morning, and a little bit of rain would be nice. So Brother Bacon is holding down the co-hosting duties. How are you, man? Oh, man, I am doing amazing tonight. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm hanging in there after, uh, let's see, I've aerated and overseeded the yard, so now it's water, water, water. (laughs) Well, well. Hopefully you don't have to pay for too much because it seems like we're like at least here in Tennessee we're we're supposed to be getting uh, some more rain. We had some today actually, amazingly. Um, I haven't honestly for the past I think month we really haven't seen clouds in the sky even. Mm. So to even just have rain today was a blessing. All right, you know. Well, what do you have in your glass, my friend? Well, sir. Well, uh, this past weekend, John stopped by. I know. And happy birthday, by the way. Belated. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm feeling old. You're it's finally an feeling... adult now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I much appreciate it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so um, while he was here, uh, he had some uh, yinglings, so I'm sipping on one of those. But then also, a friend of mine for my birthday got me... Uh, a little bit of moonshine Ooh. called Climax. Well, is that local or where's it from? Um, honestly, I never really looked that closely. It looks like it's from, uh, oh, Culpeper, Virginia. Okay. All right. Somewhat local. Yeah, localish. Well, I don't have a beer again, but. What? But what? don't, don't worry. Don't worry. So John likes to say, you know, he has the good old Southern favorite with his sweet tea. Well, I took it a step further, added some lemonade, of course, to tribute to Mr. Palmer and a couple ounces of rum. (laughs) So I got got a a happy, happy Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what was that movie? What was that movie? Um, Happy Gilmore? It was Happy Gilmore. So yeah, Happy Arnold would probably be right there. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So she's been waiting patiently in the wings. Let's bring in our special guest for this evening. So I want to introduce Miranda Young. She is the star and creator of the web hit web series Ghost Biker Explorations, who has taken her fascination of exploring abandoned locations, photography, and motorcycle riding, blended that with she's a paranormal investigator, and came up with Ghost Biker Explorations. Welcome, Miranda. Hey guys, thanks for having me. You are welcome. So this one's taken us a while to get scheduled. And as I said in the pre-show, it's a little bit like herding cats around here, but you have the <laughs> finest, myself <laughs> and bacon tonight. Meow. <laughs> I have been waiting and I am excited. We're going to have a good time. 
Indeed. So uh, Miranda's touring around different podcasts, uh, both bike-related, paranormal-related, and general, general interest. And this is the kickoff season two of the series. And before we get too far, give us a little, I guess, a little overview or a little taste of what the show is about. And then we'll get into all the good details. Sure. Yeah, we are. uh, We just released episode one of the second season this past Tuesday, and uh, it it was a big hit. Um, But the show, the show started last year. Um, Every episode drops in. um, Well, not every, but an episode drops every Tuesday during the month of October. And so uh, last year in 2018 was our first season. And the show chronicles my travels around to different small towns and uh, locations where I travel on my motorcycle, find these different areas. They might be an abandoned building. It might be a local legend or um, folklore where I tell the history, tell a little bit about the town, and then do a paranormal investigation to see if we can determine if there's any type of of, uh, truth to that legend. Or if there's just any haunted activity there. Very nice. Yeah, and we talked in the, in the pre-show. Like I said, uh, I'm hooked on the series, and it's not what I was expecting, which was a nice surprise. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot. Were you of, expecting Zach? Well, I don't. <laughs> I guess in my mind, I'm going okay, paranormal activity, and I'm thinking of some stuff I've seen on TV, and it's like, all right, well, let's give this a go. And then after episode one, I was like, oh, I really like this. I'm gonna have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's that's what we like to hear. Uh, you know, we we strive on on being something a little bit different, and uh, our tagline is "Expect the unexpected." Because, and and that's the main thing I've learned out of doing this is you go in with one preconceived notion, and usually it ends up being totally different than than what you think. But my goal with this was because because I'm always out traveling on the bike taking pictures, sharing the stuff on my social media, and telling people stories about these places. Um, my goal was to create something <clears throat> where I could give riders somewhere, a destination or a town that right. they might be interested in visiting. And then uh, something for the history buffs where it's it's just, you know, for me, the history is first and foremost. Um, you know, and, and so just kind of sharing something that, that maybe people in that area haven't really heard or didn't really know the whole story of. And then also, um, something for the paranormal investigator. And that's one of the things, you know, that's my, my three demographics with the show. And, um, we've actually got a lot of people who weren't paranormal enthusiasts (laughs) who really like the show because of that aspect of just, just being a lot of history. Yeah. Um, you know, I usually tell people that they can they can take a map, close their eyes and put their finger on anywhere on that map. And wherever they touch, that place is going to have a story. It may not be nationally known, but I can guarantee that there's one, if not many stories for that little town that uh, the people in that town uh, have grown up listening to. You know, so um, so the sky is, is, you know, the limit with this because, you know, everyone's heard of like the Waverly Hills, um, old South Pittsburgh Hospital, all of these really big locations. Um, and that they know the stories of that, but they might not know the story of the Nina Cragmiles mausoleum. Right. And 
what was pretty cool about that was I was getting contacted by people who had grown up here in Cleveland all of their life. And they knew the story of Nina, but they didn't know the complete story about her family and the whole tragic outcome for that entire family. So it was really cool to um, hear from people who had either driven past that location all of their life or um, had just been to town and, and seen it, but just didn't know the whole story behind it. And was was Nina the first episode of season one? It was, yes. Yeah, and so that's where that that's the one obviously that that drew me in, and and like you said, the the story, the history, the, the background that went into the story, I just found it fascinating because it wasn't just you know the typical ghost hunter where like, well, we're going to go in and see what we can find. It was the the setup in the beginning where you're given the whole story and and the way you know the family died and tragedy and things like that. It was. Like you said, it could stand on its own. Just the history yeah. part of it, you know, could could be a series by itself. Exactly, and and that's the way that I position the episodes because I kind of liken it to a a TV production where you just never know if the actors are going to show up. So you know, I spend <laughs> that sounds spend like a doing lot, a podcast. <laughs> exactly, you know, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time. Each episode has a lot of time that goes into it. Everything from the pre-production, which would be doing, you know, finding the story that I want to tell, doing all the research. And and I just don't go to the internet and see what I can find. I try to go to the uh, local archives, utilize the internet as well, as well as newspapers. And and if if I have the ability to actually go and talk to actual people who mm-hmm. have either experienced this or who who know the story, I try to do that as well. So there's, you know, a good couple months that goes into that. And then the actual um, going to the location, finding information out about the city or town that it's located in. And then you've got the investigation. So you can have this really great polished story. And then you go to do the investigation and it's like, okay, is is any, are my people going to show up? Are, are the right. guys going to interact? <laughs> And uh, so that's always a concern, but because, because we are real and we're transparent about everything, um, we want, we want to pick stories that are going to be good enough that we'll just let the episode stand on its own. And then, um, we go in and, you know, give it our best effort to do the investigation. And, um, I've been really lucky that, most times uh, I get activity. Um, now, I have done a couple lives where nothing has happened. Yeah. Uh, Live is tough, right? It, it is. and But, you know, I actually really like that because it shows the realness of what we do. Um, the people who look at it as, okay, this is this Saturday evening thrill-seeking thing. And, and it can be, but a lot of the time there's a lot of just sitting in a room talking to yourself. And, uh, you know, so I actually really like to show that. And it, and it doesn't mean, you know, if there's a time that I go, I like to try to go multiple times. If there's a time that I go to this location and there's no activity to me, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's, that it's not active or that it's not haunted, but it, you know, it may just be an off night or the technique or experiment that I'm doing just may not be working. So uh, if I go back and get the same results, um, you know, after trying something different mm-hmm. on a different time, um, you know, then I can 
kind of classified, you know, whether it's active or not. But we like to show that because, you know, there's a realness that you don't get when you're watching the TV shows. Yeah, I like the behind the scenes videos that you put out as well. So as I started getting into it, I think it was the the gear, um, the gear part that you did right after episode one, where you explained, okay, this is what I'm using, and this mm-hmm. is why. And I thought that was really neat to get that insight, not just you know having to guess and wonder like, oh, why is she using headphones? Why is she using a recorder? Like, why why are they not exactly. hearing it live? You know. Exactly. And and that was something that I added because after that first episode, um, you know, the, the behind the screams that you're talking about, those drop every Thursday after the episode. Okay. And so um, what had happened was that uh, Monday night before the first episode released, we had a, a little small party uh, at my co-producer's house and uh, we invited about, I think, six or eight people and they, everybody was really fascinated by the dowsing rods that I had used, and they were asking a lot of questions. And I thought, you know, for a paranormal investigator, these guys know, you know. And so, right, I if you're of, in that, if you're in that scene, then you know what those are. Exactly, and um, and so I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that's watching for me, you know, to see what I'm up to that that don't do this. So I thought, oh, I might better put that out. And it ended up being almost as big of a hit as the show because, <laughs> you know, and these were just little two or three minute segments because the major we did find that the majority of people that watch are, you know, it, it's really weird, but a lot of paranormal investigators don't watch other paranormal investigator shows. They may watch because either it's a friend of theirs or they're going to an interesting location, but most of the time they're out doing it. Right. So, um, we've got some that watch, but, uh, for the most part, it's, um, motorcyclists and history buffs that, that follow me. So it just made sense to go in and instead of taking the time during the episode to say, this is the tool we're using and why we're using it, we thought, you know, we'll just do a little segment after. And actually this year I took it a step further and, um, all of the behind the screams are actually live, uh, one hour live Facebook sessions mm. where, uh, I go on and I talk about the gear that I used in the episode and then open it up to people to, uh, come on and ask me specific questions about the places and, uh, about what we were doing there. So we had our first one of those last Thursday night and it was, it was pretty cool. I, I have a lot of respect for you guys that, that do these podcasts, because <laughs> for me, I was sitting there looking at this hour long. Now I've done hour long live investigations, yeah. but to think I've got, and I was doing it by myself to have this hour long session where I have to talk about what I did. I kind of, when I started off, I kind of had this, uh, Oh crap moment, <laughs> but, um, but it went, went really well and people were very interactive and we actually went for maybe an hour and 10 minutes, but, uh, I love interacting with people and explaining, you know, what I'm doing. So, um, we thought it'd be kind of a different, different take on, uh, what we did last year. And it's, it's been successful so far. Got it. Now you touched on earlier, you touched on that, that you do research on your own and you, you dig up stories, um, out of archives. Is there other places you get ideas for shows or do you get people that will send you requests and things like that? 
yeah, people will send me requests sometimes because for me, the best places to get these stories are from the the folklore books. Right, the um, local story. Exactly. Tennessee has got a couple really cool folklore books um, that, uh, which is where I, you know, I knew the story of uh, Nina, but I didn't really realize just how big it was. And so it was in, uh, I think it was a book called 13 Ghosts and Jeffrey. And, um, and so I was reading and that was what, and plus Cleveland is, uh, you know, close to me. So I thought that would be a perfect one to, to start with. But uh, yeah, folks will will uh, send me information. I'll just go and like I might be riding somewhere and I pass through these little small towns all the time and I'll find a place that's that's uh, just, you know, just really cool. Looks like it has a lot of history. So then I'll go and start researching to see if there's any local stories. Um, so it's usually the, the small uh, either the books or the word of mouth is where I find a lot of stuff. Gotcha. Now, Bacon, you were asking about one earlier, but I think that's probably a well-known story. It It is and it isn't. Okay. Um, so uh, I've gone through like your episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, not too far away from you, honestly, is mm-hmm. the Sensabaugh Tunnel. Yes, yes. So have you considered going there is that coming up maybe for uh, maybe season three like season two season no three <laughs> uh very possible that is one that that uh i've considered because it's an odd story like uh, it's just an odd story um oh maybe kind of conflicting stories really when you actually look into it mm-hmm. as to what happens but apparently everyone has the same kind of uh happenings but as as for the history of that is what's really you know nobody really knows right well don't don't tease me what is the story (laughs) or at least the cliff notes cliff notes oh that's that's a diff that 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 one's that one's a lot more difficult uh so the um so the sensible tunnel um there's been a couple ones that i've seen and i think it is that oh let One me, of them was a man, the guy who, who uh, I think the tunnel was either built on his property or near his property. Uh, I think his name was Sensabaugh. And uh, one yeah, of the Ed. stories is that he murdered his family in a house that was near there um, and put them all in, in the tunnel. I, I believe, I may be incorrect, but I believe that's... that's I, I, uh, I think I you're it. right. I found it. And then there's also one of like a hobo who broke into the home of of, of what well, yeah. was Ed Zinsbaugh's home and possibly killed them. Um, a number of things like that. The, like, yeah. the third version says he lived into his old age, not dying till the 50s. <laughs> well, there's more to it than that, but it was just funny reading that. <laughs> well, you know, what's, right. what's really cool about this is uh, one of my uh, ongoing, because I also do a uh, vlog series with, with this that I've been working on that's going to release during the off season. So my seasons run every October. And uh, cause what I do is I like to do that because there is so much involved with everything from the research and the writing to the investigation. And then just analyzing the evidence, you know, when you've got camera footage and then, and depending on the size of location, 
you've got camera footage and then you've got audio footage. And if you're analyzing any of the uh, metrics from the tools as well that we use. And so, um, so a lot of time goes into just putting the episode together, but I'm always traveling and always investigating. And, and some of it's not even paranormal. Some of it might just be kind of odd or unique locations. Um, and so I've started a a vlog series that's going to release, um, next year, um, and probably going to run, um, maybe one each month, maybe two. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's going to release. And so part of the project that I've done, there's, um, there's a series of tunnels called the rat hole tunnels, which, uh, run from, um, I believe it's North Georgia to, um, Southern Kentucky, and they're part of uh, the old railroad system. And so, you know, they were having issues with the train tracks flooding and and everything. And so they had taken up the train tracks on these tunnels. There's 27 of them. Some of them you can drive through now. Some of them you have to hike through. Um, There's one that uh, if you kind of belay down to it, you, you can kayak through it. Um, because it's just (laughs) flooded with water. Yeah. And so, so there's nothing really tragic about these other than, you know, after they pulled the tracks up, you know, just different vagrants and different people that would, would go through the tunnels. But, um, part of the project I've been working on is trying to go to all of these tunnels, either ride to them or hike through them or do whatever, um, to see each of them and then kind of tell that whole story. Um, so, you know, obviously this isn't one of them, but um, this kind of falls in that because there's a lot of legends and stuff that surround certain certain ones of those 27 tunnels. Right. So this one here, um, it has an interesting enough story, and I would think that uh, you would be able to, through through research, you, I believe, I may be mistaken, but I believe it's up near the uh, Kingsport area. It and, is. Uh, okay, yeah. So so it's not that far from from me. It's about two and a half to three hour ride from here. And, um, it's you know, it's on one of those. Absolutely. Um, it's one of those that I think you could really find a lot of information about just by looking at uh, newspaper articles. You could really verify which of these stories is is really true. Nice. We we didn't talk about it earlier, but what is the bike that you ride? I ride a eight eighty three iron. Very nice. Is that your only bike, or you just use that one for the show? Currently, it's my only bike. My first bike was a Kawasaki Vulcan seven fifty, um, and I'm actually looking. Um, you know, I keep my eight eighty three iron. I bought it brand new back in um, two thousand and eleven. And, uh, so, so all the miles on it and everything are mine and I keep it stripped down because I love the look of it. It's the matte black and uh, everything's blacked out on it. Um, but I keep it, I've, I've kept it pretty bare bones. Um, I just have like a little swing arm bag and a, a fork bag on it, but, um, I'm looking at actually adding a, uh, a soft tail slim to, uh, uh, to my garage just because I like the, uh, I, I need something with a slightly bigger tank, mm-hmm. uh, for these long rides <laughs> and, uh, and the power, um, you know, I, I love my little iron, but 
you know, I, I outgrew it pretty quick. <laughs> but I'm, get... I'm, I'm still going to keep it because I love that little bike. But yeah, um, but I want something with a slightly bigger engine. Slightly. Yeah. That new one's yeah. going to have a beast in it. Yeah, it will. <laughs> oh, the 114? Yeah, that, that, that that's going to scream a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I could use a little more bike in the show, though, if I'm honest. And maybe it gets yes. more as, as I go along. It it does this season, actually, um, because that's one of the things, <clears throat> you know, we're really still trying to, because um, it's just myself and a camera guy. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that we were we were kind of playing with with this was really trying to find our formula uh, for the show. And um, the episodes three, four, and the season finale in season one were really kind of unexpected where we uh, covered the house on Sunset Hill. We just kind of accidentally fell into that location. So there was not really any travel because we had to keep the location secret since it was a private residence. Um, but uh, we kind of fell off the bike stuff and and wasn't talking about the bike and travel. But um, in episode one that, that we just released, there's a lot more bike um, because we traveled to uh, nice. Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. And there are some really cool roads up there. And so um, one of the areas that's right there at Brushy Mountain in Petros, Tennessee, is the Devil's Triangle, which is Tennessee 116. And so, um, <clears throat> so we actually, we rode that, and it's a very dangerous highway. And so it really fit with the location because Brushy Mountain is beautiful and the Devil's Triangle is beautiful, but we paralleled it with just how dangerous, you know, it was for the the prisoners around every corner with how dangerous the road is around every corner up there. So we had a lot more of that and there's going to be a lot more of that this season. So with that, um, I'm certain you've probably watched some like moto vlogging and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. So have you ever thought about going that route, maybe getting like uh, either a GoPro or a Drift or a Senna 10C, something like that, and maybe a secondary or tertiary camera? I actually have that. I have a GoPro. And uh, that's one of the things that we we have in this season is we have a lot of GoPro shots on the bike, have a lot more showing the travel to the locations. Um, and that's also what the vlogs are going to focus more on about, um, hitting these roads and then hitting, um, like interesting places along these ride roads that people might not know about. Nice. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That's, that's where I feel like, uh, you know, a lot uh, that this is going, um, you know, the episodes are fantastic and I and I love them and everything. There's just so much involved with them and I like something that is a little more immediate and a little less produced. Um, you know, I pride myself on the fact that when it comes to the um it comes to the investigations, we we really polish the intros of, of the episodes where we're talking, but then when it comes to the actual investigation, I try to keep that as raw as possible Mm. because in, in my world, the more editing and modifying you do, the more it can be looked at that you're, you're tampering with evidence. 
So I like to keep that as raw as possible. But I wanted to do something because I am out so much and traveling so much on the bike. Something that was, you know, more for um, showing more beautiful areas, but then also you know, I like a good, tra- I like a good tragic story. And so, uh, <laughs> so the, no, it's not like, morbid or anything, right? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, uh, well, for instance, one of the vlogs that, um, that I've done is, uh, my trip to, to Boston. And, uh, you know, I cover all the different, you know, kind of your traditional freedom trail sort of stuff. But I really focus in on, uh, and this hasn't been released yet, but I really focus in on the Boston Common Park, which, um, you know, is a really cool, awesome place. But I was drawn there for some reason. Um, I'm I'm a runner. And so I was I was running every morning that I was in town. But I really got to researching and um, that place every Sunday evening after church, the the Puritans would go to the go to the park and take their lunch and they would uh, have a hanging you know <laughs> they're in the center <laughs> of the park <laughs> well that was a great sandwich how about we hang somebody <laughs> exactly exactly and so that's one of those things where you just kind of hmm well that's uh who knew you know and and then here's this great park where where people come to every day as their escape and and families roaming around and the beautiful flowers and stuff they have planted there and and it's just kind of like but here's this tragic history that uh, a lot of people don't know so so that's my goal with the vlog you know is to and and the sense of autunnel would be a really great place for that to talk about the roads there yeah. and then tell this story about this location some of the vlogs may have um they may have an investigation with them, but they're probably going to be more, you know, more riding and then also um, just kind of more riding shots and then really just kind of stopping and telling the story and then moving on. Very nice. That seems really awesome. I, you know, as, as you're talking about this and like, I'm sure you spend most of the year getting ready for like the episodes that come out mm-hmm. in October. Yes. And um I almost feel like you could do like a moto vlog, like just a YouTube moto vlog channel mm-hmm. with with your travels to these different sites. Yes. Not and like you setting up and being like, hey, yeah, so about to go over here. Can't wait for you to see it on the season. Cut done. <laughs> You know, exactly. like, like it seems like it'd be an awesome trailer for for your uh, for your show. Exactly. And that's and that's something that we've we've kind of talked about. And, and it's kind of this fine line between letting people know where we're at because we keep it a we keep it a surprise. But if you do it just right, um, unless people are from that area, they're not really going to know where you're going. You know, I think that would actually be a really cool teaser to be able to do that. And uh, we try to do some things like that throughout the year, but it's more so with with just pictures and such. But I love the idea of uh, doing it as a motovlog. That's actually a very cool idea. 
Yeah, and if you didn't want to give away the location, it's something you could always do post the episode because mm-hmm. that would be more for your your traveling natured crowd. Yes, and that's one of the things that um, I had originally thought about doing this for the um, behind the screams this week, but it just didn't work out. Um, I filmed the um, the entire time that I was riding the Devil's Triangle, and what was pretty crazy about it is I started having uh, throttle issues once I got on there and uh, my throttle was sticking. And this road is the type, it's got a lot of switchbacks and it doesn't have a shoulder in most areas with just these big drop-offs. And um, the road is not necessary. They have done some repairs, but it's not necessarily the the best of roads. It's got, you know, a lot of... It's a lot of patches, isn't it? it? It is. It is. And so it's it's very unforgiving if you're not careful in some areas. And so my throttle starts sticking. And it was a pretty scary experience for a while. So here we are trying to film. I have a, a friend who's on a bike in front of me getting some shots from in front. I've got my GoPro. And then um, she and I switch positions. And then she's filming from behind some. We're trying to get sort of a three point, we're getting my point of view, and then we're trying to get a front and a back point of view uh, from another rider. And so um, so it was pretty scary. I had to really watch myself, and I had to stop just a couple times to try to adjust that cable um, because I just never knew. And especially if I would hit one of those bumps, it would cause it to stick. Hmm. And um, yeah, so it was just an interesting experience in and of itself trying to film on that road, which was uh, just almost adding an extra level of difficulty to it. Now, before you said that um, it's mainly yourself and a one camera person who does the, mm-hmm. the show with you. So I'm, I'm always curious about the gear that it takes to put something together. So for example, our, our little podcast here, we, you know, we started with, you know, a basic USB mic and, you know, now to my right, this whole rack full of stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. We don't even, some of it don't even know how to use, you know, but it's like, you know, <laughs> things grow over time and it's, and I'm always curious to know what gear goes into making it because it, you know, it looks well done from, from what I can see, but if you can share some of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, the paranormal gear, I'm, I'm always getting new stuff with that. I've got my go-to gear with that, but, um, I have, I have a drone that uh, I fly with with my it's a GoPro drone a GoPro Karma okay and uh, so I don't even think they make those anymore because the newest version was having some some difficulties and I think GoPro got out of the market on it but um, I love mine and it's uh, the GoPro Hero Five I believe is what I use and um, my camera guy he uses. Um, he uses two or three different cameras depending on what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, like a DSLR. And uh, um, every now and then we'll film some of the shots with some of the B roll with the GoPro. Um, but it just depends on what type of lighting. One of the things that we don't do that a lot of the paranormal shows do is I don't use um, an IR camera for. Um, for filming myself uh, or a dead light or anything like that. We actually use ambient lighting 
um, which a lot of people will investigate just in the pure dark. And I like that. But when I'm trying to show things like um, the flashlights and stuff going off, I kind of like to have an ambient light on them so that people can see that there's nobody back there trying to manipulate that. Um, It keeps things transparent. And then also we like to, we try to shoot it in a way that puts the audience into the situation um, rather than just kind of saying, here's the story and here's my evidence. We try to put them in the moment as it's happening. So, um, so we'll use those lights. We did incorporate this season. Um, I found some, uh, home security cameras that are run off batteries. And so, um, I use a, um, phone battery, one of those external power banks Oh, gotcha. Yep. to run, to run those cameras and they are IR. And so, because I've done some larger locations, I can just kind of, I have a little kit that I'll put in those rooms where I'm not actually at at the moment um, with a pre-recorder or recorder with pre-recorded questions. And then that way I can, since it is just myself, I can cover more areas um, rather than just, just me being in there. So that is one thing. And that does have an IR on it. Um, you'll see some of that in the Brushy Mountain episode. But um, yeah, we use a, a wide variety, but we keep it simple. Um, my camera guy has, it's a, a newer light, battery powered newer light mm-hmm. that he carries. And uh, the camera, we like it to be as light as possible to where on a whim, we can just basically just go. have what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like you he's said, got an but... eye for it, you know, and I kind of feel like you can have all the equipment in the world, but if you don't have the creative eye for it to be able to use it, then it doesn't matter. But on the flip side, you can have just this simple little bag of tools. And if you've got a good, good eye and a good vision, you can make those tools really work for you. Yeah. And I, so, I like how you said about keeping it, keeping it raw and, and putting you in the experience as well. So I was getting that, um, I think it's episode three, the, the sunset Hill house. Mm-hmm. So yes. it, in the room where you and the camera guy was like, Oh, I just got cold all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that brought me right into the room with you. Cause you know, I could see how hot it was inside the room, you know, yeah. you guys are sweating, and, sweating yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, now, now I'm chilled, you know? So, mm-hmm. But what is, what is that round device that has the lights on it? Is that, can you talk about what that is? Yeah, that's called a rim pod. Okay. And what that one does is that's actually one that's pretty difficult to set off. And so it measures different things, everything from um, temperature shifts. What It's got a antenna on it. So you pull the antenna up and you set your radius of, of how far um, any type of entity or um, change, I guess, in the atmosphere has to come to that, um, that antenna. And it's got a series of alarms on it and a series of, uh, colored lights. And so each of those, you know, without getting too technical and geeky, each of those lights and alarms (laughs) are for a different, um, different change. And so it might just have a steady beep if there's a temperature change. But what was cool about that one is you can set it up. And then once you hear that go, I mean, you'll hear it wherever you're at, if you're not too far away, 
going off. And if you use it enough, you can start to learn what each of those colored beeps are. Mean. I got you. And then also, uh, and sometimes they'll all just go off, which is crazy. But <laughs> that house, that house was off the chain when it came to activity and whatever was in there, it really liked our attention. And so when we would quit paying attention to it, that's when it, it, it loved the REM pod. And I tell you, I've been places where um, that tool, it won't even, won't even budge, uh, won't even blip. Yeah. And so for it to go off like it did, that was, it was pretty cool. It, I won't give it all away, but the, the flashlight activity in that one was very cool. Yeah. That was yeah. very cool to see. Yeah. And that's, I, I like using my flashlights. I like to use the different tools together with other tools. Um, so, you know, it's like, I will have a EDI box, which is another really cool tool. Uh, it gets very scientific, but, um, it's got a card in it that will map all of the uh, activity activity you're getting, but it's got a geophone on it. It's got um, uh, a sensor for temperature change. And what's crazy about that one is, you know, you can walk on a floor that vibrates and it won't go off. It has to actually physically be touched and moved to set the vibrations off on that. Gotcha. So, and it will, it has a, uh, a sensor on it that tells the temperature and tells the pressure. And so if you've got the card in it, it will actually show a diagram map of activity throughout the entire time, uh, which is um, a really cool feature. If you, if you geek out on those sort of things, um, <laughs> we, li- we like geeking out on things. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to add. And so I like to have that when I'm using my flashlights um, because when the flashlights go off, uh, and you get some changes on the electromagnetic frequency or, or um, you know, vibration and stuff. That's that's a pretty cool uh, thing to put in with the flashlights. But yeah, that house in and of itself is probably some of the best flashlight activity and, and intelligent flashlight activity I think I've ever got. Yeah, I'm gonna let Bacon in here next, but there's one more question on the gear. Mm-hmm. As you're listening to the audio in, in your headphones. Mm-hmm. Are you, what's the word I'm looking for? So are you transcribing that after the fact and adding it to the show? Because I know, I realize sometimes it's it's not intelligible, but maybe after the fact right. you realize what you heard and then you add it back? Or is it, are you only portraying what you hear in real time? Uh, no, I'm going back after the fact, um, which actually is what I'm doing tonight. I'm, I'm working on uh, another episode and I'm going in and marking everything that I heard. So, gotcha. so what's really cool is, um, I always have one recorder on me, which is my mobile recorder. And I start that from the minute that I go into a location and it runs the entire time until I leave, even during breaks and everything. Cause you just never know when you're going to get something in. And we've had several times where I've not started it. I've waited till I started the investigation and have missed some really cool things because it's been active from the minute we walked in the door. Um, so I always have a mobile recorder on and then I've got, um, six others and depending on the different, how big the location is, like when it came to brushy mountain in episode one of season two, I took those different recorders and would put those with one of those little cameras in like the auditorium and the cafeteria. And so I would drop those static recorders off. Um, I usually 
like at the Sunset Hill house, I had another recorder going upstairs. So I had the one on me when I would be investigating and the other one sitting upstairs because it was a very small location. I, I love using the headphones because it it does allow me to hear in real time what my recorder is hearing. Right. Sometimes we actually hear the uh, voices ourselves, which those are called disembodied voices, because they are they're audible, and you actually hear them with your ears. Um, the majority of the time, I'm hearing with the headphones and hearing it after the fact. So what I'll do after an investigation. And I'm very diligent with, uh, you know, taking pictures beforehand, because, again, when you go back to review footage and review pictures, things look completely different in the heat of the moment. You know, a right. lamp sitting in the corner may look like a person you yeah. know, or look like something mm-hmm. odd. So I like to go in. I like to take pictures uh, before everything gets started and when I'm in just kind of a, a calm, relaxed state. Uh, which I'm usually in a relaxed state anyways, even during the investigations, but when I'm not trying to figure things out. So I'll go in, I'll take pictures. And uh, when I enter a room or when I start doing a specific experiment, I always note that on the recorder so that whenever I sit down, excuse me, sit down to review, I know where I'm, I know what I'm looking at. And so then I just sit down and I listen. I usually do that while I'm working in the office. Um, (laughs) If I've not got customers or a client meeting that day, I'll just put the headphones on and work and just re-listen to the entire investigation. And then as I hear the stuff, I mark the time down and mark what it's saying or what I think it's saying or what if there's something interesting that happens. And then we'll go back and link up the video to the audio. And because we always do our audio separate from the video because the video usually does not have as good of a mic as your specific uh, recorders. And then, um, and then I'll go in and transcribe it at that point. Um, You know, just because, and, and that's the thing about the lives is I try to even go back and listen to those um, (laughs) because people will hear stuff or you'll hear something. And in the moment, it's sometimes hard to, yeah. you know, know what it's saying. Yeah. That was kind of the sense I got is that I figured some of that was transcribed after the fact. So that's cool. Uh, most of it is, um, you know, there are certain things I, I like using the headphones because when you're asking certain questions and doing a session, if mm-hmm. you can get a name, then you can actually, you know, address that person or address whatever you're hearing. But you no, know, the majority of the time, you know, if, if I'm in a location for seven hours, yeah. then I have, uh, you know, like Brushy, for instance, there were 18 little cameras that were set up. And I think uh, eight different recorders. So times that times seven. And that's how much review has to has to happen. It's a lot <laughs> it, of work for two lot. people. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And and that one, we actually collaborated with uh, Soul Sisters Paranormal out of Florida. And so we kind of tag team reviewing that evidence. We listened to our own recorders, but a couple of the static ones, you know, she took, uh, she took death row. I took the cafeteria, you know, and we kind of tried to tag team it that way. Got it. All right, Bacon. Sorry, I've been stepping on you. 
Your turn. Oh no no. No, 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 no. You're totally fine. Because <laughs> honestly, this is this is honestly super interesting to me because I've always loved uh, the idea of paranormal activity and stuff. And I've always wanted to investigate stuff like that. You know, just kind of go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I have, but, I'm similar. I have no experience with it. And I kind of thought, I don't, it's not like a fear, but I thought, okay, I can't watch this stuff late at night because I'm not going to be able to go to bed. But <laughs> the funny thing is I find myself now watching it late at night and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not bothersome or anything. It's just, it's more interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of people ask how I sleep at night. <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, yeah. And it, it's one of those things, you know, <laughs> I've seen some, I've seen and heard some really disturbing things and every now, I mean, you really have to, um, center yourself. I've, I've got some superstitions where I, I won't uh, put my equipment or leave my recorders in my bedroom or anything just because I seem to have weird dreams if right. I do that. Right. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm actually working on a very intense, uh, case and a very intense episode right now, um, where there's some disturbing, disturbing things that I've heard on it. And, um, you know, you just kind of have to, I have to just sort of close my mind to it when it comes time to if when I'm sitting working in the moment, it's not that bad. But, uh, you know, there's times at night when you when you go to lay down where it's like sometimes I've seen and heard some stuff that's kind of hard to see and unhear. Um, You know, I had uh, a guy send me uh, I was working with a police officer actually on a, a really weird case where he had sent me some crime scene photos um, after this crime scene had happened and, uh, they caught what looked like in the photos, just this weird demonic face kind yeah. of, uh, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of that stuff is what we call pareidolia. I hope I said that right, but it's basically you're, you're seeing something. It's like when people see Jesus in a piece of toast or, uh, see, you know, um, uh, so basically know, your mind. Face. It's your mind, yeah, taking taking something that's there and trying to make something that you are familiar with out of the picture. But this, I mean, this thing even had teeth. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. And I dreamed about that thing for a few days after I saw it because um, it was just an odd case. The guy had killed his family. And um, like I said, he had just kind of slipped me those photos. Um, to see what I thought. But um, there's times, and that's what I tell people too, because I have people call me to check out their house. And um, I always tell them, I'm like, now, first off, are you sure you want me to? Because um, we've <laughs> Careful made what you ask for. And you've <laughs> got to find here. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I don't, um, I don't cross people over. I don't, uh, you know, I don't use Ouija boards or conjure anything, and I right. don't, um, I don't get rid of what's in there. I, you know, I know some people who who do that, and if the person is having issues, and if it ends up being a truly demonic case, which we have come in contact with a few of those, I have someone that I will contact, and and they will come in and take care of it. But my, I'm more scientific, uh, more of an investigation. Um, mentality where basically you tell me what you have going on. And and one of the things I have to say is, you know, first and foremost, I don't charge when I go into somebody's house, you know, to do any of this stuff. 
um, we just go and do a pre-interview process to see what's going on, you know, and if, if they've done anything like using a Ouija board or, or been involved in any type of black magic or there's, it's a pretty extensive questionnaire and, uh, do a pre-investigation. And then I look at certain things to see if that could be causing, cause you know, old wiring in a house, um, issues with electricity. There are certain things that can cause you to create your own haunting. And uh, so we look at those different things, go in with a real scientific approach. And if it warrants a full scale investigation, we'll go back and, and, uh, the homeowner can be present if they want to. And, uh, We'll do that. And most of the time, it's really just to kind of um, help them to see or help them to say, hey, I'm not crazy. Something really is going on or to explain away whatever issue they're having. Because I I will never in my episodes or in a person's home classify a location as haunted. Uh, I will classify as active or unexplainable. Mm. But I never will up and say it's like something haunted, yeah. is haunted. Yeah. So um, with all this, are you religious, spiritual, or anything like that? I am. Um, I'm a Christian. And uh, okay. I've been in church all my life, uh, raised Baptist, actually. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bacon's like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So, I mean, we don't, you know, we don't, um, uh, we don't do exorcisms. I mean, you know, we do potlucks and stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Invite them over, have some chicken. Yeah, exactly. We have chicken (laughs) potlucks. Exactly. (laughs) You bring a side and pass the hat. But um, we, uh, you know, I I have some uh, friends who, um, you know, they're Episcopalian and uh, Catholic and, you know, they're more involved on the demonology aspect of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I get, uh, mixed, mixed reviews with what I do. My, my daddy's a deacon and a, uh, a Sunday school teacher. So <laughs> interesting mix, huh? Yeah. Different, different people look at it, um, you know, different ways, but I mean, there were ghosts in the Bible and, and, uh, you know, and not to get all religious or anything, but, you know, when when uh, Jesus came back, I mean, the disciples thought he was a ghost. So, you know, if if that's what they thought he was, obviously yep. there was a such thing. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm uh, I mean, I, I look at it from a uh, spiritual approach, but I've got several people. Uh, we did an episode um it's an episode that's actually going to be airing this season that has um, it has a uh, Catholic and uh, a I believe there were two Catholics and one of them is uh, a medium and then also a girl that identifies uh, more with the Wiccan religion and a um uh, Pentecostal and then myself who's Baptist. So it was interesting to see this, this diverse group of people yeah. come together with a specific goal in mind and being able to, to accomplish that goal, um, with, uh, and I, and I tend to, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, disparage any religions. Um, but I do, and, and I don't really put mine out there. I do, um, I do the prayer of protection before I go in 
and then before I leave, and truth be known, I'm usually praying most of the time that I'm there because we have encountered some some pretty creepy things. Mm. But um, you know, for me, I don't I don't really put that out there as this is you know if somebody asks me I tell them um, because you know they people tend to wonder. Um, and I know a lot of, uh, religious folks don't necessarily agree with it, but, um, but they'll also see that, that I'm not going out having a seance or conjuring right. or anything like that. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, I think we show, we show ourselves doing the prayer of protection in, uh, the first episode of this season because brushy is a, a pretty intense place. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see the different approaches that people take, you know, with that. And, and there is a lot of religion in this when it comes to dealing with some of the entities you encounter, because when you start getting into the demonic side of things, which we don't actively go seeking out the demonic, um, but you know, should it be there? Right. And, and, you know, (laughs) You know, as well as anybody, it's like you go out looking for something. Don't be surprised when you find something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, we pretty much, um, we have encountered several things that uh, we believe to be truly dem- demonic. And, and I'm not very quick to label something as that because a lot of the time I think it might just be aggressive and trying to get your attention. But, um, you know, I feel like. My, my spiritual background has helped me to better deal with that when we do come across it. And actually to have a, a healthy uh, side of caution about things just because you just never know what you're going to encounter. Well, right. So, do, so with that, do you find that you actually, um, you get, you're welcomed by people of all these different faiths and whatnot? Uh, when you're doing these investigations, um, have you ever come across, uh, people who are just downright will not talk to you, pretty much look at you as the devil yourself? Yeah, I've had people that have, uh, have actually, what's interesting about the whole thing is, uh, my, my co-producer, Josh, he is actually a Christian music artist. And, uh, he had several people after we released our first episode, um, they're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. They were like, who are you? What are you, who's this girl you're, you're helping out here and what are you doing? Don't you know that that's of the devil? Um, (laughs) how you gallivanting around with her? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, you know, and truly I expected more, um, more negativity than, than what I got, but, you know, I guess they probably just take the Southern mentality. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And, uh, so they've just kind of, some of them, um, in my church have just kind of not said anything. Um, they don't follow. Um, and then I've got a few that, that do, like I said, most people, when they actually stop and watch, um, they, they see that it's not exactly what they've perceived, but, um, the parents, paranormal field in the community as a whole is very diverse and uh, tends to be, tends to be, I mean, there are a lot of Christians, but tends to be uh, very diverse and, and more so into uh, other types of religions. 
And so, like I said, I don't, uh, I don't disparage against any of them and, and, uh, to each their own, but I am particular with, with whom I'll actually investigate with and, uh, the techniques they use. I look more at that than the religious side of, because you do put yourself in some pretty crazy and potentially dangerous situations. And so if I don't agree with their style of investigating, I just, I just won't put myself in that situation. That's understood right there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of like regular life. You know, if people aren't mm-hmm. gonna, if people yeah. aren't gonna listen to you or even be cordial with you, why be around them? Yeah. 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 And, and I always say, I mean, it's like, you know, if, if somebody, if somebody doesn't like the techniques that I use, or what I'm doing, um, you know, if they enjoy paranormal and they don't agree with or like the way I do it, there are thousands out there. They can, you know, change the channel, find somebody else. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty vocal about that. You know, I, I don't, you know, if somebody can debunk what I've put out there, if they can say, well, Miranda, you know, I, I strongly feel as though this that you were getting was caused by this then that's understandable and, and I'm completely open to that. But if they're just, if they just don't agree with the flashlights or whatever, then it's like, Hey, that's fine. You know, here's somebody else that doesn't use them. So. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's my technique. So that's exactly. What I use. exactly. So I was wondering about the show in terms of, of, um, where, where it's available. So I know your show's on YouTube. Is that the main delivery point for the show? Uh, YouTube, Facebook, and my website. Um, okay. I, I really like Facebook because I can really interact with uh, the people who watch the show. Um, I, I have more followers there on, on Facebook than I do on YouTube. But um, every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, they can watch it. It will drop on YouTube. It will drop on Facebook and it drops on the website. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think I started on Facebook, but I ended up watching on, on YouTube just because, you know, like I said, I'm doing it at night. I'm not really interacting mm-hmm. with anyone, but a live would a, be interesting. Yeah. Well, it's a lot more yeah. seamless. So when watching mm-hmm. episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Cause you can just queue them up, play the next one, play the next one. Facebook has to. Oh. Yeah, go, we won't search it, clip it. Search it. <laughs> well, search it, clip it. Search it, clip it. Done. Yeah, I've searched every, or I've put everything on Facebook and YouTube in in playlists under, um, like, if it's an episode or if it's a behind the screens. I try to to kind of organize it like that so that people don't have to really go through a lot of clutter um, when I'm doing the lives. I always do those on Facebook, but I will download those and always put them on uh, YouTube after the fact. I know at one time you could do lives on YouTube, but they changed that recently to where you've got to have a certain amount of subscribers to do the live. And uh, I'm not to that point where I can actually, I wish there was a type of format where you could basically just say, okay, I'm going live here. And it just sort of, puts it out into the Facebook and YouTube world. Um, cause I hate to leave anybody out. Yeah. Well, it's, it always comes down to platform. You know, if, if yeah. you go live on, 
you know, even if you went live on one platform and you you shout it out to the others, then they they have to come to wherever you're streaming it. It's not universal. Exactly. You know, unless you're gonna unless you have multiple like cameras or, well, or, yeah. or at least multiple phones. If so you had like, the right equipment, you could feed all right. the different streams, but Yeah, and the problem too with that is I did a uh um a live speaking engagement that was on both Facebook and YouTube. And it's almost like um I think it was YouTube sort of cannibalized Facebook and the bandwidth and uh and it screwed both of them up as far as there was like a lot of lag. <laughs> oh the bandwidth. It was, <laughs> yes. It was it was really weird. And this area, it was out of Alabama and it I think it had pretty decent service, but people quit tuning in because you just, everything was lagging and pixelated on both Facebook and YouTube. And it was just because they were cannibalizing each other. Nice. Yeah. I've got one more topic and then I'll leave it to bacon and, uh, and then we can probably close it down. But I'm just curious where you, you know, where you like to ride. What are some of your favorite roads in and around Tennessee? Oh man, that's a tough question actually. <laughs> Cause there are so many, well, you don't have to say um, they're favorites. I, Maybe just a couple of of good ones. <laughs> well, you know, I was actually up. Uh, I rode the Cherahala last weekend, and uh, it was a good. I think I did about two hundred and thirty miles that trip um, there and back, and rode over into uh, Robbinsville, North Carolina, and then back down to the Chattanooga area. Went up through a Coey. That's one of my. Nice. After work, favorite ride. Yeah, because it's a good, it's got some nice uh, kind of just sweeping curves. And the scenery is just, it's just beautiful riding along the Ocoee there. And then going up to Reliance. Um, I like the uh, the Foothills Parkway. That's one mm-hmm. that uh, I enjoy. And then I often, actually yesterday, I rode uh, cross state. Um I grew up in North Tennessee on the uh, Kentucky line, and um, it's about 100 miles from where, almost 100 miles on the nose from where I live up to my folks. And so um, rode up 58, which is kind of fast and flat with uh, farmland around, and then got on uh, 27 heading north and uh, right there going up the Cumberland Plateau. There's just some awesome curvy roads up there on 27 and uh it's real nice going up the cumberland plateau yeah john like i said who's not here tonight's our our resident planner because i'm i don't have much for (laughs) for making plans or details i'd rather just get on a bike and go and and ride until i get tired but you know john is our planner he maps it out methodically and we're going to teleco plains tennessee on saturday and he has just all sorts of roads mapped out the, the skyway you mentioned the moonshiner mm-hmm. you know, yes. tail of the dragon they can probably tell you some of the other names but you know i good. did the moonshiner for the first time in uh, april of this year <clears throat> went up and did uh the went over to north carolina actually did a collaboration investigation in hickory north carolina of henry river mill village and then rode the moonshiner and pulled off at a couple of the different uh, waterfalls right there and met some really cool ladies that ride from um, Ohio. They were down and uh, they were doing this full loop all the way down into uh, North Georgia and then back up through Tennessee. And um, 
yeah, there's just there's just some really cool rides that you can do within a day or make a weekend out of that's right here in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina. You're going to, you're going to have a really fun ride next weekend with those. I'm hoping to be thoroughly exhausted. (laughs) I'd I'd say you, and it's going to be perfect because it's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be in the high sixties up in the mountains. Yeah. It's going to be perfect riding weather is what it's going to be. Yes. As long as the leaf peepers all decide to stay home, we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, unless we get some rain and there's this cold air, there's not going to be a lot of leaves to peep. Right. Sorry, go ahead, Bacon. No, no, no. And it's coming. It's coming. Um, my question is, have you ever rode Copperhead Road? I have not. Where is that? It's actually, um, I think it's like three different roads, honestly. Um, and it's all North Eastern Tennessee, all just like all North of Northwest of Knoxville, mostly mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, but it, it travels East West, if I remember correctly, mm. and maybe a little bit North into, uh, Kentucky, Virginia area right around there. <coughs> and, yeah, I think so. And, and, and I, I've always looked at it like. Some people will say, well, Copperhead Road goes straight north-south, and you're going from uh, like Knoxville up into Kentucky, and then it veers off over into Virginia or something like that. And then you have other maps and stuff that say, well, Copperhead Road is actually just following the north side of, the, <laughs> of Tennessee. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'm always... So I'm still if trying I'm to find mistaken, somebody who's rode it. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think it goes up near uh, Mountain City or Bristol. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it runs. I'm not sure where it starts at, but uh, it says, uh, "Well, the Copperhead Loop is US 276." Is that what you're talking about? Uh, well, see, this is a loop. Now, this is actually supposed to be not even a loop. It's supposed to be just a straight this up. This is a this is a song the road. road was after, right? I mean, the the song was named after Steve Earle. Yes. Yeah. Copperhead yeah. Road is a real road in East Tennessee where moonshine was made, and two generations later, marijuana was grown. <laughs> Woohoo! Apparently, these are all the fun people. <laughs> That's from song songfacts.com. <laughs> I, I think it's up near. Um, Johnson City. Right. If I'm not mistaken. It did mention the it says Mountain City as well. Yeah, Mountain City is the other one that it mentions. Yep. So on MapQuest, I, that's still around. Oh, MapQuest? Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> because everyone wants to read because everyone wants a piece of paper to read the directions, right? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Powered by Alta Vista. No, just kidding. Yes. <laughs> AOL, my friend. AOL. Yeah, it looks like it's, uh, I'm looking here online as well, and it looks like, yeah, near Johnson City um, and Mountain City, which I think Mountain City is, it's all right there up near the Tri-City area. So it probably runs through, right along the border, I would say probably uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, and maybe maybe Virginia a little bit. Well, see, and I get multiple here. So down close to uh, Chattanooga, there's Copperhead Road security cameras. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, 
that's and that's all the way down by Chattanooga, like in Huntsville, Alabama, and stuff. Like, Bacon, wow. never go to page two. Okay, like <laughs> always. It just always go, go. you're gonna end up in a rat hole. Like, stop it. <laughs> I'll keep going, but no, yeah, Johnson County, uh, and Mountain City. Yeah, it's all about the same area right there. Well, I know down near Chattanooga, there's there's Copper Hill, which, uh, but yep. this is yeah, there's Copper. Copperhead Trail. So 421 is mostly what we're looking at, I guess. Yeah, it looks like it. As most of it. I guess maybe it turns into 75 because that would be a lot more fun of a road than in the, going into Holston Valley. But <laughs> I've, yeah, it, it's I'm just all stuff I want here, to do. Yeah, I'm seeing it here because um, it's like... Shady Valley. Eliz- okay, so Elizabethton is right up there in Bristol. So it's actually on it's over. Pretty much, it's, pretty, it's pretty much north of the uh, Devil's Triangle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Northwest. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sorry, northeast. The Devil's Triangle is northwest of, of that. Um, but it looks like it's uh, uh, north northeast of... Um, Devil's Triangle. We'll, we'll yeah. get we'll sick John on it. He'll have it all mapped out. <laughs> John, John, find Copperhead Road. We're yeah, Copperhead Road. Let's go there next trip. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's enough of a tangent on that, right? Um, well, I was going to say, I go ahead. No, no. I was going. I guess my last question, my last question would be, um, how did you decide to uh, make? motorcycling part of your paranormal investigations well i've i've always been fascinated with my motorcycles and uh uh, riding and so i was always out when i wasn't at work or when i wasn't traveling i was always out on my bike taking pictures videoing these different uh locations um so i decided that uh sometimes I would ride my motorcycle. I, I used to be a member of a team. And so, um, I would sometimes ride my motorcycles to these different locations and, uh, and do the investigation. And so, I mean, riding the motorcycle is such an awesome escape and you've got that time to really clear your head, get your head right and everything. And so, um, to me, I just thought, you know, what's more fun than combining the two? And so I was having a conversation with uh, one of my friends and was actually heading to investigate a uh, restaurant that was about maybe 30 minutes away. And uh, I said, you know, what's more fun than that? And she was like, you know, if that was a show, I would watch that. And so we just kind of laughed about it. And um, so I started talking to my friend Josh, who's my videographer, and he was telling me, he was like, you know, you you really should start. He was seeing the buzz that my photography was getting on my social media sites. And he was like, you know, you really should document all of these as, you know, through video. And so um, that's when I just kind of sat there and started thinking about, well, would people actually watch that? You know, this, this girl traveling around on her motorcycle and telling (laughs) history and, and, uh, doing the paranormal and people like, they like travel vlogs. And so I thought, well, why not take it a step further? And 
you know, honestly, I didn't know if I was going to put it out because I always felt more comfortable behind the camera rather than in front of it. And Josh told me, he's like, well, I'll help you film the spots that that you can't do yourself. And originally it was going to be set up travel vlog style. And so um, he filmed me doing some of the riding. And then I had, you know, the GoPro where I was going to be doing the, my point of view riding. And, um, and so he went and he was going to help me with that first investigation. And he is a true videographer. He is not a paranormal investigator. And so it just sort of turned out that stuff started happening. And, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment with stuff happening, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's really kind of hard sometimes to hide those nerves or hide that reaction And so, of course, you would hear Josh, you know, kind of gasp or sigh, you know, because of uh, what he was seeing. And and he was like, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. And so we were going to cut it, cut it out. But then as we were watching, it's like, no, let's let's leave this in here. And he decided to stay on with me and investigate or film the first season we kind of liked the format. And, and as we were filming that first episode, I was still sitting there thinking, ah, I don't know if I'm going to put this out or not, you know? And, um, and then once I started seeing it and we got our formula, it's like, well, it'd be a shame to do all this hard work and something that's this cool, at least not try it and put it out there. And so, um, so he stayed on and we decided to keep the expressions in there because, I feel like it just kind of took it to another level and really made an identifiable character that since a lot of the audience are not paranormal investigators, I thought that that really kind of opened things up and helped people to um, really have someone that it's kind of like, well, if this was happening to me, I would probably be reacting the same way. (laughs) So, uh, So it really made for a cool dynamic. Very nice. Well, I almost forgot we have to cover two things, and I don't know what you have left for time, but I want to make sure we cover all your websites and links. And then, of course, eight days a week, we almost forgot. Oh, can't can't forget that. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the best place to find, well, of course, find the show and then where to find you on the internet and social media and things like that? Yeah, so, so the best way to find me is on Facebook at Ghost Biker Explorations or on my YouTube channel, which is also under Ghost Biker Explorations or my website that's www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. I'm also active on Instagram under Runaway Vixen as well as Twitter. I'm not that active on Twitter, but I am on Twitter under Ghost Biker Explorations. And you can watch a new episode of season two every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to drop on all those socials. And then on Thursday nights, we do a live follow up. Yeah. At, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Very nice. And don't, yeah, we'll have links to all that as well. I'll, I'll put those in our show notes. That'll be lawpipes.net slash one six nine. Yeah. Catch up on the first season and, uh, cause there will be a few things that will carry over into this season, but then this season is one episode in and, uh, it covers Brushy Mountain prison and it covers the devil's triangle as right. far as it goes. Yeah. Now, now production is done for season two or you're still, you're still filming. Uh, 
we are done filming. There are a couple little last minute fine cut edits that we're working on for the very final episodes. Um, but yeah, it is finished. Uh, I have filmed a little bit for, uh, vlogs and stuff that's coming up and, and actually something that's different. You know, I try to keep the episode short to mm-hmm. right around 20 minutes. You know, we keep them <clears throat> short enough to where they still hold people's attention, but long enough to try to cover all the important stuff. And, um, this season, they're just a little bit longer uh, I think this last episode was 37 minutes, but they okay. we're still trying to keep them between 20 and 40. We we want them to be something to where you're, you know, we're not repeating ourselves a whole lot. Yeah. And we're also just kind of getting to it and not intimidating, you know, because for me, I'm, I'm rarely sitting down. And so, um, you know, to see something that's an hour long. For yeah. unless I can listen to it, it's just there's no time for that. So we say we try to keep it like a woman's skirt, gotcha. long enough to cover the important parts, but short enough to still keep your interest. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the opening well, audio right there. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this this season is just a little bit longer, but it's because we've traveled further and we have more stuff. And we will actually be releasing uh, probably in February more of Brushy Mountain because there was just so much evidence that we got and Mm. so much history that we got it into 37 minutes. But there were places that we actually want to release and show the full scale uncut um, investigations that we'll just release at a later time. Now I got to catch up and get to that one. Hearing you talk about Brushy Mountain, I got to get in there. It's a good one. (laughs) All right, let's take a break in the action here for just a moment. And I would like to thank Chuck Hellbrunner for his support of show 168 and participating in our value for value exchange. So Chuck found the button over at loudpipes.net forward slash donate. And we appreciate his support. Chuck is a, is a former member of the Riders of Loud Pipes and is still in our clubhouse, which is something we used to have when we were on the Patreon model. And we're still trying to figure out ways for people to, to join that. So if you have some ideas, let us know. Our email address is feedback at rdubstudios.com. And if you're interested, we'd like to hear from you. Let's get back to the conversation with Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. All right. Well, let's not forget our little game that we play. And we have a lot of fun with this. This was was the idea of Sir Mike. Um, and the idea is you're building your ultimate garage. So we call it eight days a week because you get seven things to ride or drive or pilot or skipper or whatever, you know, whatever, you, whatever you're into. And then one project. So that's you know seven things, one project. That's our eight days a week. And then if you want to participate in the birthstone, then we like to add a bike of your birth year that you would want. And that's totally optional. Well, that was a hard one because <laughs> I was born in 1980, and uh, all Not the a bikes, whole lot good came out there. <laughs> yeah, some of, no, some of the years you were, look at them and you're like, hmm. <laughs> and they were very, I don't know, very futuristic. <laughs> <laughs> look at all that plastic. <laughs> yeah, so... I was not able to pick anything on my birthstone year. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and get that one out of the way. Okay. Um, but, uh, but let's see. I figured being a paranormal investigator, I would have to have 
a bay full of uh, paranormal equipment would have to be one, um, which would just be anything and everything paranormal that I could choose from. Um, and, and some of that would be rideable, right? Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it could be, um, but you know, I I keep it light when I travel. Yeah. But uh, but I also like to have variety depending on the location. So so uh, yeah, I would have to have in one of those bays. It would just be full of paranormal equipment. Um, my second, I would have to say, I mentioned how I'm wanting a soft tail slim. Um, I'd have to add a soft tail slim S the military edition. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's going to be my next bike. I think, um, I love that military style. So oh, no, it's, that's beautiful with this with green, with the, with the silver star. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and then black engine and black pops, um, which I'm jealous because Harley put the black pops on that one and they put Chrome pops on mine <laughs> on a, a black matte bike. I guess just to make me change my pops out. Um, I would also have to go with going back old stock, old school to the eighties. I would have to go with, uh, an Armstrong MT 500. Oh yeah. Cause I like that. Uh, I like that off-road look and, uh, I'm, I'm stuck on that, that utilitarian military, uh, kind of style. So it's British. I actually had to look that up. Yeah. Now Harley did get a version. Um, or bought the rights to it, I believe. Oh yeah. 87 bought the design. Yeah. 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 But I don't know what the Harley version looks like, but I always like the, uh, Armstrong MT 500. Um, I would have a 1970 Hemi Cuda. Nice. Because that's one of my favorite cars. Um, I would also have to go with a Hughes 500D helicopter painted like the Magnum PI 1977 <laughs> style. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because just to get to those locations that uh, I can't drive to, I think I would I would have to have that, and it would have to be that paint scheme. I think that's um, our first helicopter on the on the show. Oh yeah. really? I think so. I think I think so. We've had some jets and planes, but not. I think that's the first helicopter. Well, the helicopter because that can get to those places a lot. It can get to those ter- that terrain that um, a jet couldn't get to. It might take me longer, but I'll get there. <laughs> um, let's see. That's five. Um, now, I had a hovercraft, but oh, but no, I think a heli- I think a hel- I think a helicopter would probably do better getting there. Yeah, I, I have to go with a Triumph Tiger 1200. Nice. Nice. Uh, another one just to get into those off-road locations, because um, a lot of this this abandoned stuff is not in places that's very easy to take my Harley. <laughs> it's not off um, I-75. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Right. Um, and then I'm torn between the next two as to which would be my project. Either of these could be the project, but um, I, I like a 1975 Bronco. Okay. Um, I love that Very old cool. style. And I am a mountain girl, so I do like um, 
big trucks with big tires. But, um, yeah, 1975 Bronco. And then I would probably, as my project, do a 1949 Dodge Power Wagon. Very nice. So I think that's all of them. And like I said, I couldn't do my birthstone year because <laughs> I just, nothing came to mind offhand. And then when I, I looked to see what was out there that year, I just, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know that we, we can't blame you for that one <laughs> no no believe, believe me it was very difficult for me and i was like man 1979 there's not a whole lot good out there but i did yeah. find one. <laughs> oh, you did what did you find oh god what was that that was the um rich do you remember what that was it I was i look at the list no. i yeah I, I i think it was a six-cylinder it was a six-cylinder bike. Um, I think it was a Honda, a six-cylinder uh, Honda. How about a 1980? Let me see if I can find a picture here. Oh, they don't have pictures. I found a cool website. It has bikes by year. Oh, now that's cool. Totalmotorcycle.com. So I just had 1980, and it just listed all the brands. I think there may have been some Triumphs that were pretty cool. Um, Around what seventy nine to eighty three? I know there was a triumph in eighty three, I believe that I liked, but maybe it was eighty one. That's eighty three, eighty one. A couple years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't my year. It wasn't eighty. So, <laughs> well, technically, technically, I mean, you were born in eighty, so you could actually go back to seventy nine mm-hmm. because that 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 year that they actually brought it out that's true i didn't think about that how about a laverta 1000 jota jota j-o-t-a oh geez so it's uh, (laughs) a it's four stroke air cooled inline triple makes almost 100 horsepower (laughs) at almost Um, 8,000 rpm now i gotta get that cafe i gotta get a picture of this thing i gotta see this thing Oh, yeah, huh. look at that. You said 1979 Joda? 80 Laverta 1000 Joda. Yeah, it is like don't, cafe fairing. Yeah, I don't really care a whole lot for the... Well, I don't know, the fairing's okay, but I like it without the fairing there. I, I like that cafe look. That's pretty wild. Yeah, here's one without the fairing. It's not bad. Just like a typical standard. Yeah. It's not Ooh. so bad. Actually, I found... I found one that's actually kind of green gray. Yeah, that I think I'm looking at that. Yeah. The rear that shocks actually, have remote reservoirs. Yeah. And has dual disc brakes. That one actually looks very nice and sleek. Oh, here's one with black wheels and a oh. full on race fairing. Oh. All right. See, now I should have I should have <laughs> looked harder here. I would have never thought of a Laverda. <laughs> It's Italian, right? Sharp. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could. Let's see your 1980 Moto Guzzi. Let's see what they do. Like a California, or I did see that. Uh... Yeah, well, California is a little bit more toury. Oh, look at this one! I'm gonna put this one in the, the Skype for you. The Nuvo. What is that thing? <laughs> 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 Oh, wow. That red is nice. Yeah. See? Oh, that's an 83, though. Oops, sorry. 
Yeah, see, we can't. My bad. A3, is it an A3 or 83cc? No, no, the one I'm looking at is a 1983. Oh, okay. Wow, wow, wow. Anyway, well, anything else, Bacon? If not, I think we'll we'll close it down. We'll let Miranda get going, and yeah, we can start on know. our post production. Now, to honest, honestly, um, I think I've asked everything I've I've needed to ask. I think it's amazing uh, what you do. Well, thank you. Uh, not a lot of people have a lot of gumption to go out and do that, or belief in themselves. So, I think that's just. So kudos to you, really. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I've, I've, you know, met a lot of cool people doing this. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things I really enjoy being able to share it with people because whether it be going out on your own and riding a motorcycle or going out and investigating, um, I've talked to especially a lot of females who have wanted to do it and just, just haven't. And, uh, it's, uh, it's really cool to be able to, you know, tell them things of how I got started and, and what I do to hopefully inspire them to, to maybe go out and, and uh, do that. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And just thanks again, Miranda. Appreciate it. And encourage everyone to check out ghost biker explorations on Facebook, YouTube, and of course the website. And you can also find the link on, or find the links on our website, loudpipes.net slash one six nine. All right, Bacon, if I can find the audio here. Oh, no. Find the it's audio. Lost. Closing it's out. lost. I'll put my kickstands up. Bacon. Oh. Well, I'll put my kickstands up. I guess it's time to roll. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Miranda. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. Loudpipes.net forward slash donate.